You are listening to the VBAC Link podcast, episode number 47. Today, we are talking with Kimberly from Texas, who just had a VBAC three weeks ago, guys. Today, well, the day of recording, her most recent VBAC baby is three weeks old, and her VBAC was after four C-sections. Four, guys. Another after four C-sections. And she worked so hard to find a midwife that would um, actually induce her. So after she shares her story, we are going to talk about induction and is it really safe for VBAC and what do, of, as you know, the fact show. Um, this is Julie and I have a cold. So if I sound a little weird, that is why. <laughs> but before we get going, Megan has our review of the week. Julie, you sound just great. You're fine. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Hold on. My three-year-old told me today, Mom, your voice is wrong. He said, your voice is wrong. I'm like, I'm sorry. My voice is wrong. (laughs) (laughs) You sound great. (laughs) All right. So today's review is off of our Instagram, and it says, finding your mantra or this is from Finding Your Mantra on Instagram. Is that what? Yeah. Finding Your we Mantra. We really got it together today. Yeah. Clearly. <laughs> we're a mess. Finding Your Mantra. That's who it's from. Okay. So it says, I love the variety of experiences you share. It's not one size fits all. And that helps me visualize it being possible for my individual situation. And just like she said, this podcast is not one size fits all. We know that all these stories are different. And every single labor and pregnancy is different for every single person person, even individuals. I mean, I did not have one labor or pregnancy that was the same. So thank you so much for your your review. And if you guys have not had a chance yet, why don't you pause this episode right now and head over to iTunes or Facebook, or you could even just Google us and leave us a Google review. And your review may be the next one read on the podcast. Man, Megan's right. Those reviews really do make our day. And let me tell you, today I drove an hour in the snow, in the freezing cold temperature to get to the studio to record these episodes. And I'm up for another hour-long drive back in the middle of a snowstorm. So hearing from you guys and hearing these reviews really, really make it worth it for us to, to keep doing this. And it really keeps us going. So, so we really appreciate those reviews. You are tuned in to the VBAC Link podcast with Julie Francom and Megan Heaton, VBAC moms, doulas, and educators here to help you get inspired for birth after having a C-section. Together, they have created a robust VBAC preparation course along with this uplifting podcast for women who are preparing for their VBAC. Although these episodes are VBAC specific, they encourage all expectant moms to listen and educate themselves on how to avoid a cesarean from the get-go. The purpose of this podcast is to educate and inform. It is not meant to replace advice from any other qualified medical professional. Here are your hosts, Julie and Megan. Welcome, 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 women of strength. We are so excited today because we have Kimberly, who is fresh off of a VBAC high, and she's going to share her story with us today. So before I start sharing her story for her, just like I tend to kind of do for these people, I'm just going to turn it over to Kimberly and have her share her awesome experiences with everyone. Hi, ladies. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to share my story. I feel like this is such a really awesome platform. This is not something that I had back in 2006 with my first birth. We didn't have podcasts. There were no Facebook groups, none of that. And I feel like it's such an important part of just sharing about VBAC. And I wish 
so much. I feel like my birth stories would be so completely different had this type of thing been available back then. Ours too. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, I would agree. I Thank wish you that we so had. <laughs> I wish that we had this back then. But I'm but glad that, that we're here. here right now. Yeah, I'm glad that we're here now, and we've had the experiences that we've had. It's a trade off, so I guess. We're excited <laughs> to have you. Thank you. Absolutely. Thank you. So I've had three VBACs now, um, but it was it's been quite a I'd say unique feedback journey. Um, my first baby, I was young, was 19, newly married. Uh, my husband was in the military. And I want to say I wasn't uneducated about birth, but I was undereducated about birth. I did, you know, the classes and I read, you know, back then what was the pregnancy Bible, the what to expect. and But I was just, I guess, arrogant enough to think, I'm young, I'm healthy, there's no way I'm going to need a C-section. I'm just going to skip that section of the book. You know, like, I I just thought there's no way I'm not having a Mm C-section. Everything's going to be fine. And then the pitfalls. Um, So that my husband could be at the birth, we uh, talked to our doctor about inducing. And, of course, she was like, yeah, 39 weeks, we can induce. I was already three centimeters dilated. So she's like, you're a great candidate. There was no informed consent. There was no talk about the risks, Mm. nothing. Just everything was positive, great. Yep, let's do this. Yeah. Exactly. So we get to the hospital, start the induction. I'm 39 weeks on the dot. And basically, it's just not working. I wasn't dilating anymore. Of course, I just didn't know any better. They broke my water. I laid in bed because that's what they told me to do. I eventually got an epidural because they told me it might help me dilate. I made it after 12 hours. I made it four centimeters, like that was one centimeter in the whole hour. You know, had I known what I know now, I'd have said, let's keep on going. But mm-hmm. uh, I didn't know any better. And my doctor came in and said, well, we can do this for another 12 hours, but you're probably going to end up in a C-section anyway. So you might as well, let's just go ahead and do it. Mm. I didn't know any better. Yeah. I mean, it was... I signed the consent. I broke down in tears. I think that moment after the doctor left the room and it was just me and my husband and my mom and I was crying, that very moment was when I knew I wouldn't do that again, that the next birth would be different. I didn't have a name for it. I didn't know VBAC was the title, but I knew that I had to do it different the next time. My C-section went great. It wasn't traumatic in surgery, but she was separated from me from hours. This was, you know, back when nurseries were still very common. So they took her to the baby nursery and, you know, told me that they had to get her temperature up and I didn't get to hold her for, I think, five hours or so. Our our breastfeeding mm-hmm. relationship was ruined. It was a really rough healing process for me. And I suffered through postpartum depression and didn't seek help thinking that it was normal. Not, not even knowing that I really had a problem until after my next birth when I realized none of that was normal. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, after that, being military, after that birth, we moved when she was six weeks old across the country completely from family. So that was, it, it was, it was really rough recovering from that with, pretty much no help. It was just me and my husband figuring it all out by ourselves. Mm. But when we did decide to get pregnant again, I was definitely a little more educated, 
not vastly so, but I, I had done some more research and I knew I wanted a VBAC. So I waited for spontaneous labor. Definitely knew I was not getting induced this time. And I would say it was the typical positive hospital experience. The day after my due date, I woke up to contractions about 15 minutes apart. For a few days, I was in some early labor, and finally, about three days later, my water started leaking, and contractions picked up, and we got to the hospital. I was five centimeters, and things were just moving nicely. Got an epidural. After very, really not that long of a labor, maybe six hours, 20 minutes of pushing, and my beautiful baby was there. It was just I didn't get her. I, I didn't get to have her put directly on me because she had passed the meconium. So that I did, yeah. I did feel a longing for that that I missed. But it was so much of a healing process, even just birthing vaginally and recovering normally, and not being in so much pain, being able to care for my toddler. I just overall, it was such a positive experience for me and my husband as well. Because he was terrified in our C-section. I mean, that's just, you know, he always says he's not afraid of blood and guts until it comes to mind. <laughs> and <Yeah>. then he's worried. <laughs> so, <laughs> and that's saying something because he works in the medical field. So, <laughs> makes it a little bit more but it was got a tender heart for yeah. you. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> so it was just, I mean, it was a very healing experience for me. It definitely helped with some of the emotional pain that I was still working through from my first birth. When we decided to get pregnant again, after a deployment, planned to have another VBAC, um, and that we were still living in the same place from my first VBAC, so using the same doctors. I made it to nine days overdue and finally got to go to the hospital with some contractions. They put me on Pitocin, which at the time I wasn't aware of all the risks that can come with that, and he ended up with some pretty low heart cells that weren't recovering. And that birth ended in an emergency C-section. Mm. And due to heart tones, you know, yes. Yeah. yeah. Due to heart tones, just not recovering properly. And, you know, it was everything that, you know, you don't want, want. it to be in birth, yeah. you know, everyone rushing in at once and telling you they're going to have to knock you out and, you know, jumping on the bed and rushing yeah. you to the, you know, operating room and they did get us stable enough that they didn't have to knock me out and I was able to get a spinal and still see him being born but um still very very deflating experience yeah I, you know after having a successful VBAC I never expected to end up in another c-section yeah um yeah but I realized from that birth that I still had a lot more to learn about birth <laughs> I guess it wasn't quite as traumatic of a recovery as the first I think a lot of that's due to, you know, having children to take care of as well. I, I think I was able to have some other positive things to keep my focus on, and I think that helped me. But mm -hmm. um, still just definitely not an experience I thought I would end up in again. Yeah. By the time we were surprised with our fourth baby, <laughs> we were living in another state that has very poor statistics for C-section and VBAC and maternal statistics so mm -hmm. it was not easy when looking for support I was turned down over and over again when I was asking these doctors if anyone would let me be back after two c-sections at their hospital I mean just 
repeatedly. I mean, some were like, we don't even do any VBAC. Some were like, definitely not after two. I, I mean, it was so defeating. I was even lied to about rupture risks, like to my face Gosh. when I knew the statistics. So, you know, it, and it'd be like, in that moment, I'd be like, but you're wrong. Well, we still don't do it. Even And even though something too, you know, how they call it a proven pelvis, it's like you've even delivered vaginally. Yeah. Right. And and I, I, and I had some even say that to me. They're like, well, you would be a good candidate because you've delivered vaginally, but you've had two. But you've had two. So now you can't yeah. do it any. Yeah. It, and it was just, I mean, honestly, it was so defeating. I finally just gave up. I couldn't find anyone that would take my insurance and do it. And at that time, there was no way we could do home birth. And I, I, I gave in, and I think that's maybe that's not the right way to say it, but it's I felt browbeat yeah. <laughs> at that point, and I consented to a repeat C-section just for complete lack of support. I mean, and even at that point, when you have that many doctors tell you no, then you know your loved ones even begin to question it and not support you any longer. Yeah. You're like, well, maybe you should just listen to them. They know stuff you don't know. They must be right. And yeah. it felt completely wrong, and I hated every minute of having to do it that way. But it was an uncomplicated repeat C-section, thank goodness, and um, we had our fourth baby. Not long after that, I got pregnant when he was seven months old, so this one was definitely not planned at all. We had, we had definitely been planning to wait longer before having any more children. During that pregnancy... We moved again. <laughs> My husband was out of the military at this point, and he got a new job. So we moved across country again, and I found a midwife who was willing to accept me and do a VBAC after three C-sections. So yeah. we were super excited and super pumped. We had a healthy pregnancy, healthy baby. Everything had been going great. At 42 weeks on the dot, I realized that the baby, he was not moving Sorry. I couldn't get him to move one day when we were at home. And he, he had been kind of calm. He was one of my calm children, I guess, in the, in, in the womb anyway. Mm -hmm. So it didn't, I, I took a nap and I woke up and I realized I couldn't get him to move, even poking and prodding. And Mm -hmm. so I told my husband, we need, we needed to go to the hospital right now. We had no one to watch our other children, so off we go. I mean, um, so, I mean, we're sitting in the car terrified, barely speaking to each other, and just praying for it was a fluke. And Mm -hmm. all our kids, we rush into the hospital and do all the intake. And they told me that my husband couldn't go back with me to triage because of our younger children. I went back alone. Scary. And. They did an ultrasound, and our son had already passed. Oh, so um, when the when the doctor came to speak to me, it ended up in we ended up in a super hostile situation. The local hospital that we went to has a VBAC ban hmm. and don't allow any VBAC. So this particular doctor was very rude to me and my husband and very hostile because he personally didn't believe in VBAC, not just the hospital. He expressed to me that he didn't think I should have waited to have a VBAC and he didn't think any woman should be VBACing, that he didn't think it was safe. Mm. Um, so basically we ended up in, in a forced cesarean 
at that point, I no longer had the capacity to advocate for myself, to be honest. Yeah. So he told me that we would need to wait till the next morning when the urologist was on staff, since this would be my fourth cesarean, and they wanted to make sure that, you know, everything went okay. So um, the next morning, we had um, our doula that we had hired watched our children for us, and we had our fourth cesarean and brought our son into the world. And luckily, we were able to have pictures done and footprints and handprints. To this day, we still don't have an answer for his death. We had an autopsy, and there was no cause of death, which I think in it's harder almost some ways, kind of both. In some ways, it's a little comforting because mm, yeah. I, I can't point to anything and say, "Well, if I'd done that different, maybe that wouldn't have happened." But yeah. at the same time, it's it's definitely hard not to have an answer and know why because you don't know if it's going to happen again. Mm-hmm. We. Even in grief, we knew that we still wanted another baby. We gave ourselves some time to get over the initial wave and to try and help our, our children adjust before we got pregnant again. But with the next pregnancy, it was very, so our, our sixth pregnancy at that point, it was a very anxiety-ridden pregnancy for me, of course. I had a lot of turmoil throughout that pregnancy just trying to decide which direction to go. My husband, for a long time, just the fear, he wanted nothing to do with a VBAC. And I was kind of wavering myself around 28 weeks. We had heard about a doctor about three hours north of us who did VBAC after multiple C-sections. And I told my husband, I'd like to at least go talk to him. This is what he does. So if he tells me it's a bad idea, I feel like I can trust it because this is what he does for women. He said, okay, let's go talk to him. So in about 28 weeks, we drove three hours north and met with this OB. Guys, I can't even, I I don't even know how to praise this man enough. He's basically a midwife in scrubs. He told me that... I'd done it before. He didn't see any reason that I couldn't do it again. He said he understood the fears and where that was coming from, but that he wasn't afraid for us, that he wasn't going to be scared. So if we needed to be scared, that was okay, but he wasn't going to be scared. Oh, he had it. That's amazing. And that's so yeah. comforting. I mean, yeah. he, he had all the confidence in the world. This man just believes in birth. I mean, he just, he lets women birth. That, I mean, that's just what he does. He just trusts that our bodies know what to do, and he's there to intervene if he needs to. He really is like a midwife in scrubs. So pregnancy was great. I had no real complications throughout the pregnancy. We hit 39 weeks, and he told uh, roughly about 30, 38 weeks, I guess, at my 38-week appointment. We were just kind of discussing emotions because he always he every every appointment he checked in with me you know not just physically me and the baby but he always wanted to know how I was doing as well mentally I guess just because he understood where you know we're, we're dealing with a rainbow baby and a very you know traumatic stillbirth previously so we were discussing just where to go with the pregnancy I talked to him about how each day that passed each week that passed my anxiety was getting worse and worse I was spending a lot of time just counting kicks yeah. and yeah. paranoid. 
if I didn't feel him move, you know, for a certain amount of time, I'm over here poking my belly. He was fine. There was nothing wrong, but I was just paranoid. And finally we discussed it. Yeah, it was, it was, it was so stressful and it was honestly starting to affect my family. So we decided that for my mental health, the best course of action would be to induce, which is in the world of VBAC. I know that's just, there's so many doctors who refuse and especially after four C-sections, most people would say absolutely not. But he didn't feel that way. He told me there's a safe way to do this. I understand you've had a bad induction before. I'm not going to put you on a time clock. We won't do that. Good. We'll take this slow. Good. And we'll see where it goes. We can always stop if we need to. And you can go home. Oh, wow. But if this is what you want to do for your mental health, this is great. So that's what we did. We showed up at the hospital. My mom flew in to watch our kids. We showed up at the hospital super early in the morning, which was a really interesting drive at like three in the morning, <laughs> like three hours north. But um, uh, I was already dilated and effaced. Um, so he told me, we're just going to go ahead and start with very low dose Pitocin, which is, you know, recommended by ACOG. Yep. So that's what we did. And it, we just worked slow and steady. Nothing happened for a while, and that was okay. And at one point, after we'd made a little bit of progress, he said, we can try breaking your water. I still will not put you on a clock. We'll, we can keep hands out, you know, lower the risks. Or you can go home. What would you like to do? Wow. wow. We need this doctor's name. Yeah. <laughs> we need him. We need, we him. need him for a reference. Unfortunately, he is retiring from VBAC. <gasps> but he, I mean, he's, he really, I mean, he's, he sounds amazing. He's breach. Yeah, I mean, he still does vaginal breach. He's the twin vaginal. Sounds I mean, like he just, he's just a go to guy. <laughs> mm-hmm. he, he was absolutely the go to guy around here. But he, so I told him, let's do it. Let's break my water. Let's go ahead. And I did. So as soon as we did, of course, my contractions ramp up. I am experiencing all the back labor. Uh, mm-hmm. Baby had been posterior, and I'm trying all the spinning babies, <laughs> and it is not helping. I told my husband, please call the doula. Get her up here. I need her now. <laughs> yes. So Perfect. doulas are magic. <laughs> <laughs> so, so she lived five minutes from the hospital, so that was amazing. She had been really awesome. We actually had done... Skype consultations and Skype appointments since we were three hours from the hospital. So she was fantastic. She got there. I mean, as soon as she walked in the door, it was like a breath of fresh air. She completely changed the whole vibe of the room. Like she had music and dimmed the lights. I mean, everything. As soon as she started the hip squeezes, I was like, oh, this is, yep, this is where it's at. No, <laughs> so <good>. much better. <laughs> Cannot say enough. My doula was fantastic and an amazing support. Not long after that, I hit transition. So, of course, I'm, at that point, I'm begging for pain medicine that I didn't really want <laughs> at all. <laughs> and they're like, are you sure? And I'm like, I think so. Like, let's check you. So, at that point, they check me. I'm already eight centimeters. They're like, nope, too late. You're doing this. You're doing great. Your doula's got you. You're doing good. Look at this. You're doing it. <laughs> So from the time he broke my water to baby in my arms was like three and a half hours. <laughs> and baby came out, 
posterior. Oh my but goodness! We did it. <laughs> you are awesome. That is delivering that a is posterior baby hard. is hard yeah. work. Yeah, he. It was. It was. It was not an easy labor at all. But honestly, pushing. I don't know how, but pushing was really not that bad. He came out posterior, but it was only a few contractions of pushing, which really surprised me. But we did it. Good <laughs> job. And it was. I mean. They placed him on my chest. It was the first baby I'd ever been able to be the first one to hold. Oh, and that was gosh. just everything to me at that moment. I mean, I'd always told my husband, I hate that I'm never the first one to hold my children. Yeah. And I got to be. And nothing else mattered at that moment. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> it was so It was perfect. It was, it was such a redemptive birth after everything we had been through. Yeah. I mean, and. I mean, the weeks following were full of so many mixed emotions, but he honestly, that, that rainbow baby brought so much joy back into our lives that had been lost. He's still, I mean, I would never say I have a favorite child, but there's still something about him that's just, we just have a special bond. Uh, It's just different. Yeah. After him, we decided, oh, what's one more? <laughs> <laughs> That's what I always say. <laughs> and my husband's I like, like uh, one more is one more. <laughs> and me and Megan are working on that. <laughs> my, my husband's always been pretty good about, okay, if you say so. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Oh, All right. We got, we got this. We can do it. I mean, but at this point, we're kind of at like, you know, 15 passenger van status. So, you know. <laughs> Hey, riding in style. So with my seventh baby, um, we planned to use the same doctor again. With the last one, I had transferred over to him at, at around 28 weeks. And this time, we every single appointment, we trucked ourselves up there three hours with all the kids and back. We homeschool. So every we like it, it's a field trip for us every time we go. <laughs> awesome. And he was fantastic again throughout my entire pregnancy. At this point, the hospital had kind of changed its tune and had decided to enforce a policy that they said had always been there, but they weren't enforcing before, mm-hmm. and said that they would not allow induction for any VBAC after two C-sections <sighs> for, for any reason. So if it came down to a medical need, it was C-section, and that's all they, he could do. So we spent the pregnancy just praying that everything would go great. I, you know, was eating and doing all the exercising, doing all the things to just try and keep us as healthy as possible. So hopefully nothing medical would come up where we would need a C-section. As I tend to do, I went past my due date and we um, started all the monitoring, the NSTs, VPPs, and I passed 41 weeks. (laughs) When I hit... 41 weeks and four days at my appointment. Everything still looked great. Baby was doing great. I asked him if he would strip my membranes just since we were kind of hitting that point, and he did. And I asked him how much wiggle room we had on this uh, 42-week cutoff, (laughs) and he assured me that we had some wiggle room as long as we remained healthy and he wasn't just going to rush me into a C-section just because I hit 42 weeks. Good. So, like I said, I had, I had it. He stripped my membranes, and we went home. I made my, I made my forty-two week appointment for monitoring, and we went home. The next morning, at forty-one weeks six days, I woke up 
in the late morning, everyone else was asleep, and contractions were immediately three minutes apart. So I decided, you know, I'm going to work through these by myself. I've had a history of long early labor, so mm-hmm. we'll see where this goes. So I'm just working through them. I was laying in bed on my side, just kind of breathing through them. I realized I wasn't going to be able to sleep between them anymore, and laying down just wasn't comfortable. So I decided I'd hop in the bath and try the water as I was still just trying to gauge, you know, when we should leave, you know, and mm-hmm. where I felt this labor was at. So I turned on the water, I got in the bath, and that didn't really help either. So I woke up my husband, who was sleeping in bed with our toddler, <laughs> trying not to wake the toddler up, but waking my husband up. And <laughs> I told him, you know, I was in labor, we needed to, you know, start making plans. So around that time, um, after I woke him up, um, I was just trying hands and knees, just moving around, and, and I realized at that point that we were probably further into this labor than I thought. Still a little bit in denial just because of my history, but thinking, you know, I, I kind of realized this might be going quicker than we had planned for it to go. <laughs> so when the bath didn't help and I gotten out, I realized at that point my contractions were double peaking and were about two minutes apart. Ooh. So I told yeah, it went time to go <laughs> from three minutes to super fast. Here we go. Yeah. So I told my husband, call the doula. We we got to get childcare. Like we got to start making like th- it's time to start making plans. And I told him at that point, we there's no way we're going to make it three hours. We're we're not going to be able to go to ROV. So about the time we called our doula, I noticed I was shaking, was sweating, was really thirsty, and it kind of hit me oh, no, this is everything I felt from transition last time. So, <laughs> we're standing there waiting on childcare and everybody to get here. And I'm like, hey, honey, can you can you look at my, my crack and tell me if you see a purple line? Yeah. Yes. I was like, the second you said crack, I, I said in my head, purple line. Purple line. <laughs> yep. so awesome. He kind of looks at me like I'm crazy. I guess I'd never mentioned this to him before. So mm-hmm. he looked. And he's like, yeah, there's a purple line. It's like all the way up your crack. I'm like, no, th- for real. Like, do you see a purple line? Where is it? He's like, yeah, it's like all the way up. <laughs> like, it's the whole thing. And I'm like, oh, oh, goodness. Okay. <laughs> so not only are we not making it three hours, at this point, our options are stay home and have this baby or walk into the local hospital and risk being cut open again for no reason. And I told him I couldn't do it. I I could not walk into the hospital and be forced into a C-section just because. So our doula showed up, and she said, do you want me to call 911? And I said, only if there's an emergency. So by that point, right after she got here, my water broke, and I hobbled to the bathroom and peed a little bit and came back and said, yep, that was definitely my water. And I'm standing by our bed in our bedroom. At this point, all of our children are awake now. (laughs) So my husband's running back and forth from helping me to telling my older kids to hang out with the toddler and the little ones upstairs (laughs) and keep them occupied. Yeah. (laughs) And we're rushing our older one out the door to the bus (laughs) to go to, to go to school for the day. (laughs) So it's, kind of a comedy act at this a little bit of chaos (laughs) (laughs) a little bit 
but that's the life with this many kids. Um, hey, I only have four and I'm like right there with you. <laughs> <laughs> so he comes back into the room and I just kind of instinctively reached in and checked and I said, guys, I can, I can feel her head. My body had been kind of grunting at that point. And so I was like, I can feel her head. And so the doula's like, yep, let's grab towels. So they start rushing and grabbing towels. So I'm just standing and leaning over the bed. And I just let the fetal ejection reflex kick in. And I told him, you got to catch the baby. Just the way I was, the way I just couldn't do it. My body was just telling me to lean over the bed. Oh so gosh. he grabbed the towel and the doula was just there holding supplies <laughs> and, awesome. you know, just whispering in my ear to stay in control and I could do this. And a couple pushes in and her head was out. Oh my gosh. And, I, and I'm like, okay, that's her head, right? Her head's out. They're like, yep, you, you're doing this. And I just remember like, even, even with the fetal ejection reflex, her shoulders took a lot of effort, but I just a couple pushes later and her shoulders were out and I was like, okay, one more push. Her whole body was out and my husband caught her. I mean, it was the most amazing. He, they passed her through my legs and I'm just standing in my bedroom holding our daughter (laughs) in our bath towel. Like, did we really just birth a baby at home? (laughs) That is awesome. Sounds like a dream birth to me, but not for everybody. (laughs) Definitely, definitely not for everyone. Um, (laughs) Try to talk my husband into just like letting us drive around the hospital parking lot in the van until the baby was born and then just like go in and make sure everybody's okay. (laughs) He was definitely not down for that. (laughs) Well, I, you know, every, everybody's like, Oh my goodness. Good job to dad. You know, he's like, he was just standing back there praying. I didn't poop the whole time. So, you know, (laughs) Oh guys, what do you do? I mean, it was, I mean, it was such, a beautiful moment. I mean, I can't, I didn't even know how to put it into words, to be honest. Even though my last VBAC in the hospital was not traumatic in any way, it was still even more of a redemptive experience, I guess, to just birth completely undisturbed, just a physiological birth in my environment. I mean, she came out so calm. You know, there was no loud cry. She just looked at me and and then it was like oh okay I'm gonna cry like just I mean it was such a peaceful birth and it just felt it just felt perfect like the way birth was designed to work all the natural hormones just adding up to that moment with no intervention and I feel like we live in such a technocratic birth culture where everything about birth needs to be controlled and to have that birth where I just let it happen felt so different. Yeah. <laughs> um, and definitely unlike any of my other births. I mean, I have such, after all of my experiences, I, I developed such a passion for birth and over the years and just helping women avoid that first C-section and, and just VBAC education. And it was just a really cool experience to end our baby years on and as I'm transitioning into doula work now. So it just, it was just, it was everything I needed it to be. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that is so awesome. I'm so glad you had, uh, you really have had like all the experiences. You yeah. Know, like 
hospital yeah. C-section, yeah. um, a, a, a loss, a birth after a loss, an unplanned, unassisted homer, homer. Uh, failed induction that led to a C-section with your first baby. Like you've really been through the ringer. And I think that that is going to make you an even more amazing doula because you will be able to relate to people on a lot of different levels. And there's something to be said about, um, that bringing you the, the intuition and the connection with people who are, who are going through some tough experiences, because you'll be able to say to a lot of people, I've been there, I have been there and I made it through and you could make it through. And I just think that you're incredible. Thank you so much for sharing your story with yeah. us. No, thank you. I just, yeah, I, I really hope so. And I hope that having such a vast array of experiences can give me, you know, a huge amount of compassion for people making different choices Absolutely. based yeah. on their history. Absolutely. Yes, yeah. it will for sure. Um, we're going to talk a little bit about inducing VBACs. Guys, I don't know if you know this, but... There's a lot of controversy surrounding VBAC induction, induction yeah. almost as much as there is sur surrounding uterine rupture. But let me tell you what, there are lots of different reasons that that inducing a VBAC would be necessary. Okay. And they're not always medical reasons. Like we were just like Kimberly just shared for her peace of mind and for her sanity, that induction was, was necessary. It was necessary for her and it was necessary for her health, not just physical health, but emotional and mental health, too. I really liked, um, I had a client's husband tell me the other day they had um, suffered a traumatic birth just a few weeks ago. And um, I was checking in with him to see how she was doing because sometimes we as women can't or don't always express how we're really doing emotionally. So I was checking into him with him to see how she was doing. And he told me that she wasn't doing very good. And, you know, I, 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 recommended some resources and suggested them some things that he could do to help her get some counseling and um, additional support that she might need. And he said this, and I'm going to remember this for the rest of my life. He's going to, he said, I believe that the mind needs doctors, just like the body needs doctors. The mind needs help, medical help, just mm -hmm. like the body needs medical help. And the way he stated it so plainly, I was like, yes, it's as simple as that. And so so yes, inducing, that's where I was. Kind of got off on a little tangent there. Um, <laughs> induction, guys, VBAC can safely be induced, uh, period. Like that's, that's, just, that's just a fact. And ideally, we want to wait for labor to start on its own. It's just, you know, the best way to reduce the need for other interventions. But when physically and mentally or emotionally necessary, it can safely be done. So I really like if you if you notice this while Kimberly was telling her story, her provider started her on a low dose of Pitocin and didn't put her on a time limit. And I think that's a perfect, nice, gentle way to do it. And the most important thing is to just ease into it. You know, um, you can use a Foley bulb to help you dilate. You can have a low dose of Pitocin. Start it low. Start at a half dose and increase at half a dose twice as long because yeah in, sometimes all your body needs is just a little, little kick whiff. a little whiff mm -hmm. to just take off and miracles happen and i've seen i've been at births where pit was for VBAC where pitocin was started it started a double dose and increased a double dose every 30 minutes and it overworked the mom and she was exhausted she ended up with an epidural which is totally fine to have an epidural but 
It she also overworks the baby yeah, sometimes. It, it overworks, overworks the, baby the baby and overworks the uterus, and the uterus can kind of like tank out, um, which we all, we're going to talk about that a little bit later episode. But she did end up with her VBAC. But sometimes it doesn't work out that way. And I had another client who just went in and, and they started the Pitocin at a two, which is just, you know, the normal average, pretty much what they start everybody at usually. Um, and then they just increased it by one every 45 minutes to an hour. And by the time they got to five, her body was taking over and then they gently knocked it down and her bo- and she was good. Like Sometimes they can completely yeah. turn it off yep. even. Yeah, that's what she did. They took it down oh, all the way. Down so all the way. by yeah. the, took it down, I meant took it down to zero. <laughs> Turned it off, took it down to zero. So that's the biggest thing. We talk a lot about inducing VBACs and other interventions on our VBAC prep course, which you can take either online or in person, we have one for doulas too, who want to know how to better support VBAC clients. And you can find out more about that on our website at thevbaclink.com. So go there, check out when our next classes are going on. We have them every month for parents and every three months for, for doulas. doulas yeah. um, and Megan has written us an amazing blog all about VBAC induction. And you can find that on our blog at thevbacklink.com slash blog. Thank you so much, Kimberly. Thank you. Would you like to be a guest on the podcast? Head over to thevbacklink.com slash share and submit your story. For more information on all things VBAC, including online and in-person VBAC classes, the VBAC blog, and Julie and Megan's bios, head over to thevbacklink.com. Congratulations on starting your journey of learning and discovery with the VBAC link.